Last year we grew 300% and we did uh, 600,000. And then this year we're hoping to grow another 300%. We're on track to do 1.8 million. At Founder, we're on a mission to democratize entrepreneurial education and on the way to building one of the largest online schools in the world for entrepreneurs. We interview some of the greatest founders of our generation to find out how they did it so you can too. However, in this series, we're working with our students in the community who are deep within the process of building their own successful business. These are the founders of tomorrow who have stood where you are and on the way to building the business of their dreams. Now, before we jump in, our lawyers have told us to tell you this. Of course, we can't guarantee you'll have the results like some of the stories we're about to share. And as you know, with any business, it's a lot of hard work in addition to completing any online course. With that said, welcome to From Zero to Founder. Molly here, I'm Founders Community Manager, and welcome back to the series From Zero to Founder. Today I'm sitting down with Megan Costello to speak about her amazing baby business that she started back in 2017, making about 7K annually, and now is projected in 2022 to hit $1.8 million. She has such amazing insights, and I'm really eager to just jump straight in. So let's do it. Hi, Megan, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, why not start by introducing yourself and telling me a little bit about your business? Okay, my name is Megan uh, Castillo. I'm the CEO founder of Little Bebe. And um, Little Bebe is an innovative baby products company and uh, home of the retractable fastcard clip, which is what I developed. It's so interesting. I've definitely scoured your website looking at all the amazing things that you stock and your story as well is quite brilliant yeah. in how you founded everything. So to begin, uh, what were you doing prior to even thinking about Little Bebe as a business? Uh, prior, I was a server. And that's where I met my husband. We met at work. And then um, I actually started a dog boarding business through, I don't know if you've heard of rover.com, but they're pretty popular here. So we started watching dogs in our home as just a way to make like extra money on the side. And then when I got pregnant and had my first baby, we had a, a daughter, um, I was a newly stay-at-home mom doing the dog business. And I don't know, I just needed like a creative outlet. And um started teaching myself how to sew and decided to like why don't I try and sell some of these I kind of saw like Etsy and like other people doing it I guess and so um yeah I just started putting I made it Shopify found Shopify just lots of googling lots of podcasts lots of just figuring it out along the way and um started just kind of selling handmade items so that was kind of the start of it. Yeah. And it's so great thinking that it was, you know, just an idea and then teaching yourself how to sew is such a great skill to have. I wish I knew yeah. how to sew, <laughs> but I think, I think it's really incredible. It's very time consuming though, at least for me, because I wasn't very fast. So yeah, I can only imagine, especially making babies clothes, that'd be so intricate, but you know, yeah. from having this idea and teaching yourself how to sew, how did you kind of find your feet to launch your uh, accessories and things like that you, that you were hand making? Because as you said, it's very time consuming. Were you just finding yeah. it in the pockets of your time that you have between being a mom and, and working? Yeah, just kind of filling in between nap time. And um, and actually, I got the idea for the retractable pacifier clip from my daughter. She was obsessed with her pacifier. So one day, um, we used to use the long it was pretty standard to have these like long cloth pacifier clips and um, that's all that was in stores. And so that's what we were using because it kept it from dropping or, but what it doesn't do is, is uh, when she started crawling, it was dragging the pacifier all over the ground. And so I'd unclip it and wash it. And then she'd want her pacifier back and then she'd go crawling five minutes later. So it was just this constant like annoyance where I was just like, there's gotta be something better. 
And I Googled like a retractable pacifier clip because I was like, oh, if it just like retracted and became a short pacifier clip, then it would solve the problem. Because I also didn't like if I put her down for nap time, I'd have to remember to remove the clip because it was like a long cord near her neck. Um, so that always made me nervous. There's a couple times I even had to go back in, which is like the last thing you want to do as a mom when you just like ninja rolled out of there, is <laughs> go back in and maybe wake your baby to get this pacifier clip off. But um, yeah, it just made me really nervous. So that's where I got the idea. And then I kind of Googled if it existed and it didn't. And um, so then I made my own home one. I even tried to make it out the actual silicone or not silicone, plastic by something I saw on YouTube. And it's not as easy as it looks. It looked really, really like bad. <laughs> so that was a fail. Uh, but I ended up taking apart like an auxiliary cord, a retractable auxiliary cord, sewed my own uh, pacifier clip and then um, put that in there and it worked I, like the basics of it wasn't perfect <laughs> so then that's what gave me like okay I feel like I'm onto something and decided to reach out to manufacturers to get an actual sample mm, that's so incredible I love the journey between having a problem yourself and doing the research and it not being there and finding a solution which I think is really really brilliant and also so amazing to even think of using the auxiliary cords and, and things like that. I think that's just brilliant. But uh, speaking of the uh, retracting pacifier, I would love to know more about how you kind of self-funded that. I do believe there was a Kickstarter involved. Yeah, there was. So what we first did though, um, to do like the sampling and all that, um, we had saved up about 20,000 for the dog business. And that's what we invested in. And that was buying even my fabrics beforehand. That was kind of like from the start, the sewing machine, everything I invested was kind of from that nest egg. And then uh, we got to the point where I'd actually started manufacturing already, but the Kickstarter, because I kind of wanted to be able on the Kickstarter be like, hey, this is already in motion. Like you guys will for sure get this product. We just need, you know, a little bit more help with it. And so, um, and also to kind of gauge if people were interested in it. And, and that was kind of like also to try that platform out. And um, yeah, and I actually gave birth to my son right in the middle of the Kickstarter. I was nine months pregnant and he came two weeks early, probably from the stress of it. So I don't recommend that if you're nine months pregnant to do a Kickstarter, it's very stressful, but we did end up hitting our goal. So that was really exciting. I think it was 15,000. Wow. So that was kind of like the validation you needed to really know that there was a there was an audience out there that wanted to consume your product, which is really, really interesting. And I know a lot of people listening might be thinking about maybe trying to get some sort of funding, whether that's by Kickstarter or other websites out there. What would be some yeah. advice to set yourself up for success in getting, you know, interest maybe on Kickstarter and having those people really believe in your product? Well, Kickstarter is really hard. Um, you have to run, I feel like Facebook ads to it. You really have to do like this whole, like I didn't really know what I was doing until like after the fact I started learning all these things. So I feel like I got very lucky with our, you know, our family network and like my dad knows a bunch of entrepreneurs. So they were really like, they wanted to help as well. So it was, it was kind of a mix between learning Facebook ads, even though I was paying way too much for them because I didn't know what I was doing. It still helped. And then, um, reaching out to everyone you know facebook instagram i'd already started instagram because i had the little baby boutique at the time and um yeah so i feel like it was just grinding it was just constant my mom has a as a new york times best-selling author so she has a lot of local fans here in sacramento so she posted about it as well so i think i got on like a uh uh what do you call it a blog 
to to write about it. So kind of just reaching out to as many people as I can to get the word out. Yeah, and I think that's also really brilliant using your network and the people you have around you to to support your idea, yeah. especially having a passion for it. Like you said, it's come from your own children and and having that yeah. problem that you were facing, which is so so interesting. Um, and you've covered a lot of great things in in that answer, but I'd love to go back to okay. So you thought of the idea, you know, you're getting manufacturers to make samples, you put it on Kickstarter. What were kind of the next steps after you realized, okay, this is serious. I need to make a product that I'm really proud of and have a final product to push out to all these people that really, really want it. How did you kind of get yeah. your, your ducks in a row after you started to receive that funding? Uh, trial and error. I mean, that's the only way I had no, I seriously didn't even know what a SKU number was. So when I say I had no idea what I was doing, I really didn't know anything. So honestly, Googling, I Googled everything. Um, podcasts, reaching out. I think what has been one of the biggest helps that I don't think people do as a solo entrepreneur is like, you're a lonely island. You're doing it all by yourself. You know, I worked until 4 a.m. every single night for over four years. So I think what helped me though, is when I started reaching out to other entrepreneurs in the same baby industry and became a networked and became friends and we shared information with each other. And that like was a huge help because then you don't feel as alone. You, you know what I mean? Like things that were happening to them were happening to me. It was just like, you kind of like aren't it together. And this worked for us great. So then we try that. And it's really, I really recommend reaching out to people. Um, it's hard because, you know, as especially in the beginning, we're so busy that I think sometimes some people are like put off by it. So I would just say, if you want to reach out to others, have some information that you can share with them that might benefit their business. And then it kind of, you know, slowly grows into like a, a relationship. Mm, that's really great advice. And I think you're completely correct in having, you know, people to help motivate you and, and push you and also just help you through those tough times as being an entrepreneur. As you said, it can be quite lonely. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong. So you had your little baby boutique at the same time you were also doing the innovation around this retractable pacifier. How did you find the yeah. time to balance both? In the very beginning, it was like a hobby. I wasn't running ads. I didn't like it was very uh, minimal. It was time consuming because I was sewing. Uh, but other than that, I had enough time to still kind of learn and take, I started the start and scale course at that time. Um, cause I knew with this product, I really felt like that's what was going to turn us from a hobby into an actual business. And it did. Um, so I really used that year before I launched them while I was still creating it to learn as much as I can. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It just took every day working on it constant for you know as much every every moment I could between that time before when, if my baby was eating you know I had two under two at that point and um it was really really hard <laughs> no sleep was involved pretty much <laughs> yeah no I can only imagine how difficult that would have been with two children and as you said balancing it all between and I think one thing that you touched upon which was really interesting is that it was a hobby when did it turn for you into something more realistic than just a hobby into something that you could turn into an actual business once this pacifier was made and actually see revenue or at least the idea of making money or supporting yourself through another means? Yeah, it took until I think like the first year, I think I made like 10,000, which was before the retract clips was launched. The second year with the retract clips, uh, it was 50,000. So we had a big increase at that point as far as growth, it was still was nowhere near what I wanted. I remember thinking like, if I could just do 10,000 a month, I'd be so happy. And like, I'd be set. And then you realize, you know, revenue is not profit and, <laughs> and that's nothing really. Um, 
but I feel like it was probably once I started ads. Before I started Facebook ads, it was maybe 2,500 a month I was making, even with the launch of the retract clips, because it was just so organic. It was just what I was getting off Instagram. I had no idea what SEO and Google was. I had nothing. So um, probably once I finally figured out Facebook ads, because I was doing them wrong for a long time. So it was a lot of trial and error. And I think I even took the Facebook course that you guys do. Um, and that, it was like something clicked and we grew like 300, we did more in that two weeks than we had like the previous two months. Like it was just kind of took off. That's so, so inspiring. And it is a difficult thing, Facebook ads for someone that, you know, might not have any idea about that sort of paid advertising, but I think it's really great that you really felt followed self-education, which I think is also another massive thing for entrepreneurs is to self-educate and really learn about that journey. What other self-education did you do when it came to marketing your business? You mentioned Instagram and Facebook ads. How did you kind of develop your strategy around those two areas? Um, Again, trial and error. Um, It was really, Facebook was my focus, I think even before I did Google ads. Um, And once I got that kind of down and figured out, um, then I started trying, I think, Google ads. I did a little bit, just kind of testing. Um, where Google ads really took off for us was Google shopping. When that started happening, that was like a game changer and still is. It's one of the biggest uh, ROAS for us is the, is the Google shopping. Where at the top of Google, they'll, they'll have the price and the products and, and it's all right there before the kind of line items. Mm, wow, that's so interesting. I've never really, you know, even thought about that as a... Uh, a more, I guess, bigger revenue driver than Facebook ads because so many people just talk about yeah. Facebook ads. But I think it's really great that you have a different perspective on that as well and how you've grown. And I'd love to know. And I think it's important too, just because you can't have your whole business relying on Facebook. Like when the whole iOS 14 came out, it was like, people were like, holy crap. You know, you had to kind of like refigure things out. And um, so, yeah, I don't like having kind of relying on just one one thing. So mm, and that's, that's important. Yeah. Such great advice for anyone listening as well, because I know when I got into this whole world of entrepreneurship, there was only Facebook ads really that I knew about or YouTube ads even, and thinking mm-hmm. more holistically about, you know, Google, Instagram and other revenue, other, sorry, platforms that you can advertise on is really, really smart. So I definitely think that's another piece of advice yeah. that you've just, just, it's just amazing to think that you've grown so much as well from that. Um, But I'd like to know also, in terms of these ads, what sort of creatives are you finding that's working best for you on your advertising platforms? Is it user-generated content, reviews? What's sort of working? Definitely uh, user-generated content. Um, That's one of our best ones. We find it's honestly, we're we're constantly testing because we'll find if it's going well, it'll stop working, you know, in a couple months. So it's like, we're constantly trying new things. And that's what I, and I remember listening to like podcasts before and people were like, you just have to test. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. What do you mean test? Like test what? And I think that's just, it's, you have to test ads. You have to test different, you know, um, captions, different uh, creatives, um, different platforms for ads and learn how to do that. So it varies. Yeah. (laughs) Reviews help for sure. I mean, we have like over 4,000 reviews um, on our little baby now. So definitely using those in ads is 100% still still working well. It used to work a lot better, but... 
Yeah, through trial and tribulation, definitely. And one thing that you've mentioned to us before we actually had this podcast was that you've seen really great customer lifetime value and repeat customers coming back to your store, which is a great indication that people want your product and want to keep coming back for your products. What could be some of the tips for people listening in order to try and get more people coming, but the same people wanting to keep coming back and supporting your business? Well, I think it's really important to have, you know, email. Um, I use Clavio, so the, I have the whole uh, welcome series, you know, abandoned cart series. Um, setting all those automations up, I think, is really important. Uh, SMS is really big for us. Um, so texting your your text group, getting those numbers when they come to the site, and um, staying consistent with them. You know, don't be. I think in the beginning, I was really afraid of like you know, emailing them too much or texting them too much. And and there's definitely a balance. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's, you have something like that. They want a discount, a new arrival, a, like you want to let them know about this, you know, and then it's up to them if they want to click on it and buy it. But if, if you don't let them know, they're, they're not going to know. So that's kind of, I switched that kind of mind frame. Mm-hmm. And I feel like having, you know, these great lists, is so, so important to scale, but how would you, or how did you go about actually growing it in the first place? How did you get those emails um, from your your customers or get those mobile numbers? Was it just done directly through your website? Yeah, yeah, so I use Attentive, which you enter the email and then you also enter the phone number. So you get double um, info for the discount and we do $10 off of, if they spend over $50 and, um, also giveaways, giveaways used to be so good. Um, they've kind of, you know, gone down a little bit. I'm hoping they'll come back, but uh, we do giveaways off of the Instagram even. So they would enter their email or phone number on a, you know, a link that they'd go to for the giveaway. So uh, we've done giveaways with other baby brands where they enter on Google and then they click the link in our bio and they finish their entry there with their email. So those ones are really good uh, because then even if the giveaway doesn't do as well with an Instagram, you're sending it to your newsletter, they can still sign up and get that giveaway or enter as well. Mm, That's such an amazing insight. And I think a really, really smart one to have. So you're never missing someone that has had interest at one point, whether that's through the giveaway Mm -hmm. or whether it's through, you know, your Google or anything like that. So I think that's actually a really, really smart tip for anyone listening um, to definitely try different ways of obtaining people to your email list. Uh, but I'd love yeah. to go back to, you know, maybe some of the earlier years when you first started. So I believe you started in 2018. Is that correct? I started uh, uh, in 2017 was when I started, I launched the, the boutique. Then in 2018 uh, is when I launched the Kickstarter for the Retract Clips. Hey there, Nathan Chan here, CEO and publisher of Founder Magazine. If you're enjoying From Zero to Founder and you want to learn from some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our generation, then I highly recommend you also subscribe and check out the Founder Podcast. We talk to some of the most successful people on the planet to discover how they're building their businesses. So you can take a front row seat as we go deep and we learn from some of the founders of brands like Netflix, Dropbox, Reebok, and so many more, and how they built these companies. You can find the Founder Magazine podcast with Nathan Chan on all podcast platforms. Make sure you subscribe. All right, now let's get back into the show. 
Since 2018 to 2019, you also saw such significant growth in your business as well. Would you like to talk us between, you know, the year that was 2018 to 19 and, and what kind of changed to help you have such success uh, within, you know, your, your products or your consumers and things like that? Yeah. Yeah. So the big thing, like once I started um, the ads and they were taking off, they're doing good. What started happening as well, Facebook's getting more expensive, right? So uh, my product was only $15 at the time and you could not scale a $15 product um, on Facebook um, profitably. So I kept running into, you know, if I was scaling, I couldn't afford the inventory to, to do both ads and inventory. And so what I ended up doing uh, in, in end of 2019, 2020 was I started adding other mom invented baby products because, you know, I'm as passionate for their products and their story as I am for my own. So, and I kind of started out as a boutique. So it kind of found my way back to, you know, that little baby store where I offer my own brand and also a bunch of other small mom USA local, you know, uh, uh, brands that have amazing products. And so it gives them a platform to get their brand out as well. Cause no one knows more than me, how hard it is just to get your brand out there. So I thought this was also something unique for people to kind of, as a way, if they were not ready for ads or, or as they're growing their brand to tap into my network that I already have of all these moms and sell their products as well, which has really blown, you know, our revenue out of the water, like from just the retract clips. Now we have a $2 a $200 diaper bag. We have a portable bottle warmer. We have um, these Toki mat padded soft padded play mats. So it's just been, it gives them more reason to come back and buy again as well when I'm already paying to acquire the customer. And um, so that was, that's been a huge kind of, and also I got my branding down. I think that's really important in the beginning. I mean, I had, it's embarrassing when you look back and it should be, I feel like, cause that means you're learning and you're growing. And um, so, yeah, I look back and I just, it's, you know, a glittery, you know, logo and I had just no idea about branding. And so we rebranded, um, I think it was 2019 and that, and that really, and that was right before as well, what helped the ads too, because if you, if you do ads too soon, then you're just going to blow money, which is what I was doing because it wasn't ready yet. And so I had to kind of keep trial and error and learning. And then it finally took. And I think it's so lovely how you touched upon that you're bringing in other mom and dad businesses to support because, as you mentioned, that's how you started was your small dream of having your product shown to, to so many people to help them, which I think is really, right. really lovely. How did you establish those relationships with those other businesses? Was it you just reaching out via email or was it through another network that you might have made prior? Yeah, so the first ones were actually the um, kind of uh, mom group that we created from networking of like helping each other. So those are the first products that I added. I was like, Hey, why don't we, you know, I'm going to re kind of rebrand to selling other baby products. Cause I also don't like being kind of locked into something. I felt like if I was a store, you know, I could be like Amazon or Costco. They sell a range of things. I wanted to stay still within the mom baby industry, but I mean, I could sell, you know, it doesn't just have to be baby innovative products that I developed myself as a brand. So I liked that it kind of like opened up for what I wanted to do creatively with different things as well. Um, but yeah, reaching out to them and saying, Hey, you know, I'm going to start selling other mom invent, uh, baby products. And, um, they were like, yeah, let's, let's try it out. And so it started as kind of like a test and then it was going so well that I just started reaching out to other, 
um, people via Instagram or other brands that just, I felt like I connected with and like, was like, this would go really great with my customers or, or just, yeah, reaching out, email, Instagram. Yeah, it's so great. And how have you gone about managing those inventory? Because now it's more than just your own personal inventory. You have inventory from other people. How did you kind of make that come to life in terms of shipping out your products and making it a very easy experience for your customer? So I actually don't ship their products. They ship directly. Uh, so drop ship. So I started drop shipping their products. We've started um, testing out wholesale. So I'll hold a little bit of inventory and we're kind of testing that. Um, but I didn't like my money being tied up in inventory. So this allowed me to scale um, because I didn't have all my funds on products that maybe didn't sell. And it allowed us to test the product first. So I only hold inventory, like a little bit of inventory for my best sellers. You know, you start getting the data. Um, from Shopify on what's selling, what's not. And so that helps me make decisions too. Hmm, that's a really smart way to go about it. And I've definitely heard a lot more about drop, shop, drop shipping in the past couple of years, but even to have it, you know, back when you did in 2019 and so on, I think that's really, really smart way to scale, as you mentioned, because you're not purchasing lots and lots of inventory and it being a stockpile and collecting dust. You're moving yeah. your product continuously, which I think is really, really smart. I know you just touched upon branding and in 2019, how you kind of gave your brand a little bit of a facelift. What tips or how did you learn to enhance your brand and, and what steps did you go to kind of create that new branding for Little Baby? I think just looking around at other brands and kind of seeing their look and, and that they, oh, they have colors and, um, you know, that's what signifies their brand too. And, and, um, so yeah, I think just looking at other people's, you know, websites and um, learning from them. And then I still designed my, my last logo myself. Um, but, and I think I'm going to even rebrand just to take it up a notch to like, I think it could be even more mature uh, now that we're hitting, you know, new high, new levels. Um, so I think just always improving. I think that's the key every day, just continually. It never stops. Like you don't just, you keep telling yourself when you reach this, and you just set a new goal and, and all of a sudden it's no longer good enough. And so <laughs> it's just, you have to keep pushing it and keep learning. And, and next year we're hoping to launch an actual um, physical store. So it'll be the little baby Playtown and store. So we'll have the little baby store with the products and we're going to test not actually holding inventory, but having it where it's shipped to them with two day free shipping. And on the other side will be a play area for their kid, which is like um, a little play town. So like a fake, grocery store with all the grocery store toys or a fire station or all that. So they come, they pay to play, pay for their kid to play there as long as they want. And then they can shop while their kids play. So I'm really excited. That's kind of like the big, bigger, um, little baby where we're, where we're headed. Yeah. Wow. That's absolutely incredible. And I love that idea. I think, you know, some of my favorite childhood memories was going to those sort of places where, you know, mom could have a coffee and I could just go and run around yeah. like crazy, get some energy out. And I think that's a yeah. really beautiful way to kind of, I guess, diversify your brand too. Right. Well, and, it, and it, the way I thought about it too was um, I no longer am paying for those customers. It's like the products become an upsell. They're paying me to bring their kid to play. That's the attraction. And then this is just the bonus that they can get their baby necessities from other mom-owned brands that they're supporting, these small businesses. Um, so it's, it's kind of like a, it goes hand in hand. So I don't have to, I feel like that will bring in customers um, instead of just relying on online marketing, which is just going to get more expensive every year. Yeah, definitely. And that should, you know, hopefully make you grow and scale even more so than you have already, which is great. And I'd love to talk to you more yeah. about 
your projections for the new year. But first, I, I know you've done some pretty incredible things in your lifetime of having your business, and I'd love to talk to you more about them. And, and just briefly, uh, you've been on TV appearances, you've shown up at expos, you've had your own exposition, which I think is just crazy. I would love if you could highlight some of those moments with everyone that's listening. Yeah, so our first expo um, was five weeks after I had my baby. I had C-section, my second baby. So we got a babysitter for the toddler, our daughter Ella, and we took the five-week-old with us to Vegas uh, on a road trip. We drove there with our car packed full of everything, the inventory, and at this time we were still just selling the retract clips uh, and I think some pacifiers. Um, and um, yeah, I, again, I had no idea. It was really stressful. I just didn't know how to do my booth. I didn't know how my brand would look. I didn't know anything. So you look back at the pictures and it's just like, it definitely looks like I didn't know what I was doing, but it came together and we got some compliments that it was, you know, we definitely looked like a small business, I guess. <laughs> and, and we were, and um, yeah, so that one was, that one was a wholesale one, ABC Expo, uh, which I don't, I haven't been back since because we, you know, really focused on DC. Um, so that might be one though, if someone is interested in wholesale to check out. And, um, and then we did, we started doing uh, DDC expos like Prego Expo, that's a really good one. Uh, we're gonna start doing them again now that COVID's you know, kind of gotten better here and, and people are as afraid to go out with the vaccine. Um, and so we'll do those ones. There was another one we did, which was the biggest baby shower Ever. That was the name, but someone, another company bought them. So I don't think they go under that name anymore. I can't remember who bought them. Um, but yeah, just looking up Googling uh, expos, I think that is a great way to get, it's a lot of work, but it's a great way to get in front of your customer and actually sell to them. Like we did really well at those because I'm here explaining. And that's what I kind of learned with retractables too. There's never been a retractable pacifier clip before. People were like, oh, it's a cigarette. It's or not a cigarette. Um, it's a lighter leash, which like whips back heck of fast. I'm like, this is not a lighter leash. Like this is for a baby. So it's developed to, you know, retract slow. And, and um, so they had these kind of preconceived notions about it in the beginning too. So it took a lot of education and, um, and, and telling people, you know, the, you know, what it helps with, how it makes your life easier. You're not constantly picking up pacifiers all the time. And, and that was great to do in person and kind of get, nail that down. You kind of learn what works and, and, yeah what people resonate with yeah that's so interesting and, and I love that you kind of went face to face and you added you know uh, a personal experience behind the brand and I think that's what makes you know your business just so great too is that you're the face of your company which I think is really really beautiful yeah. as well and um, I'd love to know more about you went on tv as well to also showcase your product how did that opportunity come yeah. about so that came from uh, I had hired a PR company and um, it was actually, it's funny too, cause I just like, we've done it six months and we were only getting like these online publications, like nothing worth the cost that I was spending for this. Um, and they actually got this, uh, it was Good Day Sacramento, which is where I live. I'm from Sacramento, California. So um, they actually got that right in the last month. So that was exciting and, and that was live. So we had to get up at like 4 a.m. And, and meet them at the park. And that was really nerve wracking. My babies, uh, we were having them like test it, but they, they weren't too happy about it in the, in the moment. So it was just kind of, you just had to like go with the flow. <laughs> but it was, it was really great, yeah, to 
through that exposure. Yeah, I think that's so amazing that you're actually trialing new ways to get a, like exposure, as you just mentioned, but also, you know, getting that feedback from everyone that's actually, you know, looking at your product um, and learning more about your product, which is, I think, really, really great and set you up for success. Yeah. And working towards wrapping up, I know you've got some, you know, amazing targets for the future in terms of revenue. And this is also going to be one of the first times that you're starting to pay your own salary, which I think is such an amazing accomplishment. It's just blown yeah, me away. Almost five, five years, five years I've worked almost for free. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. It really is. A lot. And, and, and we only have been able to honestly, in those beginning years scale because I had our dog boarding business. So that paid our bills and my husband also bartends. So we had, you know, he manages a bar and I did the dog business while raising the kids. And I did little baby at night. That was, it took, it took it all. So it's, it's a lot of work. It's a, it's a roller coaster. I mean, you're just going to be like on top on the highest mountain on the good days where you're just like, this is going to be a hundred million dollar business. And then other days you're just like, what did I do? <laughs> like this? Yeah. It's just constantly. And, and it never stops. You never like set. I feel like it's constantly things are, with the delays of the supply chain at, and the port. I mean, things are arriving months late and it's just crazy right now what small businesses are having to kind of go through and, and you have to have so much product ordered in advance just to make sure the boats are arriving in time or the containers are arriving in time. It's just, it's nuts. So it's constantly changing. I don't ever feel kind of safe, I guess, um, but it keeps you on your toes and you just keep, keep moving forward. Definitely. Adaptation is key. And I think no mm -hmm. journey will be linear yeah. and no journey will be the same as someone else's. And I think that's what's so great about speaking to all of our amazing yeah. members because there is so much insight and, and one particular yeah. journey can vary so much from another. Um, but yeah. And don't, and don't compare yourself to others too. I mean, I think that's the only way I've been able to stay sane it, through it because I don't, I'm, I'm just naturally pretty good at that. Like I'll see other people's and that will, that will drive me. Like I can do that too. I don't get down on myself. Like, Oh, I'm not there yet. You know what I mean? Like judging, like, cause you gotta, you just have to, you know, go your own, your own path, your own journey. And, and if you keep up and keep doing it, you will get there. It just may take 10 extra years <laughs> compared to others. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And that's some solid advice that I, I can definitely say is true. Um, but Working towards, you know, our last few questions, I'd love to know what your kind of projection is for Little Bebe in the future. You mentioned this amazing playtime experience and store. What other things do you have kind of up your sleeve that you want to share with us about your business and where you hope to go in the next year, two years, or even five years? Well, this year, uh, last year we grew 300% and we did uh, 600,000. So that was really exciting. And then this year we're hoping to grow another 300%. We're on track to do 1.8 million. So it's just crazy. It kind of blows my mind that that's, you know, where the, that we're actually hitting those kind of numbers. It was such a dream for so long, you know, and it's finally, you know, I put in the work and I'm finally seeing the, the what, fruits of your labor. Is that the, is that the yeah. thing? <laughs> um, so it's, yeah, it's exciting, but yeah, hopefully we can launch the, the flagship store next year. And if that goes well, then my goal would be to launch more in different cities and kind of scale that side of the business as well as e-commerce. So kind of, I feel like it takes kind of having multiple pillars, you know, especially on those bigger brands. Um, but it's been, a, it's, yeah, we'll see. 
fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I hope that we can catch up, you know, in the future and speak about all these amazing things that you've got planned because yeah, it's only up from here and that's where I see it going. But my last and my most favorite question, you've already given such amazing advice, but is there any last little slither advice that you'd like to bestow on anyone listening that might be in the same position you were back in 2017, thinking of an idea that you would like to tell them right now? Oh man. It's like one of those things where if you knew how hard it would be, you probably wouldn't start. (laughs) So I just tell them to um, just learn. I mean, I would do something you make sure you love it. You know, you hear that a lot, but it's, it's so true. If I didn't love what I do, there's no way in hell I'd keep doing it because it's so hard. Um, But I truly love it. And I'm so um, passionate about the products I develop. We're coming out with a pacifier as well. So that will be launching in a couple months. So that'll be our little baby pacifier to go with the retractable pacifier clip. Um, and, and to keep pushing, keep going. Like, I think on the hard days, um, there are days I've just had to shut my computer and just not even think about work. You know, I'll binge Netflix because you don't ever get to really watch TV if you own a small business. So it's the only way I can like not think about work because I get really obsessive and, um, and take that break, take, you know, when you hit the wall, take the breaks and then get up the next day and, and, you know, hopefully you feel renewed and rested and, and, and motivated and optimistic again, because it takes, it takes some optimism and, and confidence that you can do it. (laughs) I couldn't agree with you more. And I want to thank you so much, Megan, for sitting down and sitting with us today and sharing all of your amazing experience and insights. And I hope that we can catch up again in the near future and see all of the amazing things that you'll have implemented. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that I was able to have a chat with you. It was so fun. Hey guys, we hope you're loving From Zero to Founder and you're getting a ton of value from it. If you want to access the exact free training that led today's founder to where they are now, head to founder.com or head to the link in the show notes.